0: Hey, guys, if you would like to get to know each one of us better, go
1: check out Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com. Or the app. Get the app. That's better. Okay. Listed in the show notes on the support link. Let's go ahead and make this short, okay? All right. They probably think we're fixing to start the podcast, and we are. Yeah. It's still a good week, right, guys? Very good week. Yes. We're just taking off a little early. We're going to let an expert come in. He's been on the podcast before.
0: Very well known
1: Yes, Brother Tim Hudson, we're going to let him talk today We've got stuff to do, camp meetings That's next right, we week we've got a lot mm-hmm. of
0: preparations to do Is it to. yard mode?
1: I, don't, I couldn't get Are it all eating. done Weed eating to the really big thing Yeah, Yeah. yeah lots of weed eating Yeah, but we do want everybody to show up next week for camp meeting, right? Yes, yes looking forward to, to it Grounds to be nice yeah. June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, I'm excited about it It's a great lineup But so you won't be disappointed We're going to let Brother Tim Hudson talk to us again today third time on the show. Yeah.
0: You know, a lot of times the service before camp meeting, you have visiting visiting mm-hmm.
1: ministers in. It's very common. So, yeah. letting them preach. Well, well fitting. Yeah. So enjoy the show today, okay? Yeah. Listen to what he has to say. It'll help you. Yeah, and we'll see you guys after camp meeting. See you at camp meeting. At, yeah, at camp. Meeting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, but our regular show, the and meeting, it'll be it'll be back
0: back to the norm.
1: Yeah. After camp meeting. God bless you, everybody, and thanks for listening. My sights on home, I can get distracted, cause the fact is, this ain't where I belong. Okay, can someone in the production room cut the music? Okay, here's the reason why. Someone needs to call a doctor. Oh wait, we did. Herschel, guess what? We called the doctor and it's Dr. Tim Hudson. We're making history today on the program. What's going on? For the third time, we've got Dr. Tim Hudson in the studio. I don't know that I've told you this before, but we're sitting in Studio 4.
0: Studio 4? Yeah. Oh, really?
1: (laughs) High tech, Brother Hudson. I guess so. I guess so. And, I mean, I figured it would pose uh, the question from you, but it didn't. Uh, How did you come to Studio 4?
0: Well, how did you come to Studio (laughs) (laughs) 4?
1: This is the fourth place where I've recorded a podcast.
0: I must say, you have quite an imagination. Yeah, we have five studios
1: total so far. Five studios, wow. Five different locations we've recorded from, and this happens to be the fourth and most often recorded from. Wow, I feel honored. Yeah, welcome to Studio Studio 4 today. (laughs) Hey, it's a friend of mine, Herschel. It's Brother Tim Hudson, Dr. Tim Hudson. You learned about that when we recorded uh, last time, and uh, he's back to talk to us today. He had so many good things to say. I just thought, well, hey, Herschel is getting educated. Let's stay with it.
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to Herschel.
1: Herschel's a good guy. Actually, uh, you don't know this yet, but when you go back and listen to the previous episodes of Dr. Hudson, Herschel was this fictitious listener. Well, I used Brother Judd Ingram as a sounding board for some of my recording stuff online. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I did some test runs recording through Zoom, through FaceTime whatever the best audio quality was for uh, remote recording one day while we were messing around with this equipment i said hey judd won't you be herschel and he was like okay sure so we started out and he didn't know i was recording and he comes up with this fictitious character just out of thin air so it was about i don't know 10 12 14 minutes long i don't remember So I take it back in and play it for my family, and they just thought it was off the charts funny. (laughs) So we've continued on that it's actually Herschel Ingram.
0: Well, uh, I'm disappointed uh, to find out that that now that Herschel is actually – Judd Ingram, yeah, <laughs> especially knowing who his father is. Uh? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: Me and uh, me and Judd have been close friends for years now. He's a great guy. He, he's actually called into the program a couple times when we we're recording our weekly episodes. Oh, and then we've called him like uh, a little while ago was his birthday, so we called in a surprise call to him. And so Herschel's really a thing. Okay, and actually, great. Brother Jud was at a, uh, a preaching at a recent youth rally or or uh, something like that, and one of the guys came up and had him sign a necktie as Herschel. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting more more popularity than the old Potterator here. Uh, it seems
0: to be. Well, do you think I'll have people want my autograph after oh, being in I studio 4? I, I want it. <laughs> Hey, no, it's great to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be back again. I've really enjoyed this. It's been kind of a new thing for me. and I've taught a lot of places. It's been recorded. But as far as a radio type setup, this is the first time, and I'm really enjoying it.
1: And uh, since you've raised it from being the ministry of low expectations to the mid-level expectations, I'm going to tell Herschel... This ain't a plastic mic anymore. (laughs) We've upgraded to real microphones. That's what I tell them, you know, from behind my plastic microphone. Okay. Because I really don't know that anybody's taking me serious, but they do you.
0: I hope so anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Hey, what do you got to talk to us about today? Okay, well, there's all kind of different topics we could discuss, but one that I shared recently uh, with the Sunday school class here at the church. I just want to discuss... um, Reasons for trusting the New Testament, as you are well aware, in our secular society, increasingly secular society today, the Bible is coming under assault. Has been, but it's increasing. And uh, sadly, uh, about three out of every four, 75% of all young people in church who graduate and go to a secular college end up leaving the church
1: Oh, Many my of them goodness.
0: never to return. What a stat. And the reason is because when they go to these public universities, they're inundated with the likes of men such as Bart Ehrman, UNC Chapel Hill, who, incidentally, at one time was an evangelical Christian, is now an uh, agnostic, leading toward atheism. But he is a, a critic of the New Testament. And he makes the claim that there are more errors in the New Testament than there are words and that the New Testament was written by men, and that uh, it was nothing but an embellished folklore that uh, happened over time, and that the miracles were just added over time. It's kind of like the fish story, the old fish story. You you catch a three-inch bass, and by the time the story gets finished, it's a 30-foot whale. And so it has really undermined the faith of many of our young people and sadly the church has either not been equipped to or just didn't take the time to tell these young people why we can trust the Bible.
1: I just had a conversation this week with another pastor who was telling me of a mutual friend of ours, young person, who had an awesome experience in the Lord, goes to college, has totally abandoned their faith now in
0: the last couple of days. It's sad, but it's true. I have seen in the last little while a greater interest in this. I've even had pastors ask me, would you come and instead of preaching a revival, would you just teach our people these things that uh, actually we're going to look at in just a moment because our people need it. Uh, Josh McDowell, who is is a well-known author, I was listening to him, actually heard him at a conference, National Conference of Apologetics, some years ago in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And he said 30 years ago, there was a cultural support for Christianity in America. Most people believe the Bible, even if they didn't live what the Bible taught. He said, that's totally gone now. We've got a society that if if they know anything about the Bible, what they know is wrong. We're paying the price for it in our churches. Right. uh, We're losing our young people. And surprisingly, I have even met some elderly people, devoted Christians who have been Christians for years, people, if I called their name, you would say, yes, I have utmost confidence. The devil has even plagued them with some of these questions concerning the validity of the Old and the New Testament. Now, today in particular, I'd like to look at the New Testament, but it's something that I feel is so needed now. Well, in the Christian world, Brother Hudson, over the last
1: greater part of my lifetime, the Bible has been dumbed down to just inspirational quotes right. that people throw around and they don't look at it as a whole. Exactly. Or if they're reading a book of the Bible, they don't look at it in its context.
0: You've got the likes now of, and it's nothing really new, but it's just becoming more and more obvious. You've got well-known church leaders, and I'll be kind here and not call names, but uh, some of them that are very clear, we don't use the whole Bible, which I understand we are a New Testament uh, church and believers but it's almost as if to say that that's not even relevant anymore. We don't even we don't even need that anymore that part of the bible. And so you you have that permeating the mindset of the public. And so that's why we're seeing so much questioning of the bible and people rejecting it and it just it's 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 an old outdated document. The list goes on of things that have been said about it. And sadly, again, our people have not been or are not equipped to respond to it.
1: Well, if there's anything that can be done to reverse that through what's said today, to God be the glory.
0: I would say the same. I wanted to just uh, briefly mention, and some of these things we have actually discussed in previous episodes, uh, but I do want to give uh, the audience, Herschel in particular, give you a few reasons why that we can trust the New Testament. Now, uh, I've taught in uh, Mexico. I've taught in Myanmar. I've taught in Poland. I've taught in Croatia. Actually, I've taught in India. uh, I've taught in Cameroon, Africa. So I've taught a lot of places. And uh, I've taught these things. And normally how I begin is uh, with a little unsettling statement. And uh, I first posed a question, and then it's the the response that I give, follow-up that's a little bit unsettling. I asked my audience, do you believe the Bible, and in particular the New Testament, because we are New Testament believers, and that should be our foundational document. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the New Testament? Next question, why? Whatever you do, don't say because it's the Word of God. (gasps) Did he say what I thought? Yeah, well, that's exactly what the Muslims say about the Quran. For the most part, it's the Word of God. Well, yes, we believe that it is, but there are reasons why we do believe it is. There's evidence that it is. It's not just some blind faith as we've discussed in the past. One of the one of the key reasons, and we discussed this at length earlier, that we can believe the New Testament in particular is because we're dealing with eyewitness testimony. Yes. And that is so profound, so very, very important. Uh, And it's not just that eyewitness testimony, but you've got credible eyewitness testimony. And of course, I referenced J. Warner Wallace and Cold Case Christianity and uh, how he as an investigator looked at the New Testament accounts and that even with the alleged discrepancies, was there one angel at the tomb or were there two? Was it uh, one account says that Uh, it was the mother of James and John who begs Jesus, let my boys sit on either side. And then another account, well, it's the boys that are asking. So who, what is going on here? Well, you can't, we've got contradictory accounts. Well, as now scholars are coming to the realization, we're, we're not really dealing with contradictions. We're dealing with the styles and techniques of writing that were used during that time period. Okay. Okay. This is this is something that's really come to the forefront in the last couple of years. Right. Uh, and something we could discuss maybe later on. But the point is, even Jay Warner Wallace says these alleged discrepancies don't worry about that. They can be resolved. And in his uh, book, Cold Case Christianity, and uh, I've actually took a class under him, and he makes this point. As an investigator, he said, I was always dealing with conflicting details. Sure. But you get them all together and then you get the big picture and you realize that they're not really contradictions. Okay. So, that having been said, the eyewitness accounts of the New Testament are profound. And he again said that he could take it to any court in America, proving beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus not only lived, but he died and was raised from the dead. So the eyewitness testimony of the New Testament is unparalleled, especially when you're considering other potential religious writings. And that that is is, is key. Uh, another reason that the New Testament can be trusted is because of the historical reliability. The uh, historical data in the New Testament that has been validated by non-biblical sources Right. Is, is just, there is no comparison to it. There are over 30 historical figures mentioned in the Bible, in the New Testament, that have been validated by non-biblical sources. And again, as we noted in one of the previous episodes, Luke is now considered to be one of the greatest historians of the ancient world because archaeological discoveries have proven that he knew exactly what he was talking about. Uh, have even mentioned that uh, the anchors to the shipwreck that Paul and Luke were involved in, in the latter portions of the uh, Book of Acts, those anchors have been found, or what is believed to be, and they were found at the exact depth and in the exact position they would have been had they been cut loose just as Luke suggested. So, so for that reason, again, there there is just uh, comparing other religious works, including the Quran, there is no, uh, no other book that can come close to historical accuracy. Now, it's interesting that Christopher Hitchens, or should I say the late Christopher Hitchens, he was one of the leading new atheists, and he wrote a bestseller, God is not great, how religion poisons everything. And he was asked during a QA with, in a debate one time, he debated Dr. Frank Turek, who was one of my instructors. He was asked, how do you explain all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled? And I thought he had a rather interesting response and I had to chuckle. Christopher Hitchens said, uh, well, what these guys, these authors of the New Testament did, they created this fictitious Jesus. And made him fulfill all the prophecies of the past.
1: Mm.
0: You might say, "Oh, wow, wow!" That that's, but then you look at it from a historical context. That's not justified at all. And uh, and again, when you read the New Testament, it's not written from the perspective of some type of fictitious work. Right, and even the late C.S. Lewis, who was. Uh, was a scholar in uh, literature and mythology. He he was very, very (laughs) emphatic. I've read mythology. I know mythology. The New Testament is not a book of mythology. In that sense, the historical accuracy of it is is unprecedented. Uh, Also, we mentioned the principle of embarrassment. Yes. When uh, authors are assessing the validity of an ancient document, one of the things that is looked for is the principle of embarrassment. Normally, we don't paint a bad picture of ourselves. We always want to make ourselves look good. Yes. Well, in the New Testament, the authors are recording, as I noted earlier, a lot of things that would be kind of embarrassing. They they are buffoons. They don't understand the message of Jesus. They have no faith. Jesus even calls Peter the devil, get behind me, Satan. They're squabbling. They're uh, and 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 so again, the only rationality is justification is that the reality is it happened just this way. The reason they wrote it as they did is because that's the way it happened. Now, that in and of itself is not a sufficient reason for believing, but it's a it's just another piece of evidence that the text can be trusted. Um, and something else, of course, that we mentioned in the past had to do with the the fact that these apostles, disciples, and early believers, for the most part, the church consisted of of Jews. Now, as time goes on, of course, the church is going to expand and more and more Gentiles are going to believe. But now you've got, in the earliest days, you've got these Jews who thought they were God's chosen race and God's chosen people, and that they had the way, now are abandoning that to follow this Jesus. Why would they have done that if in fact, he had not been raised from the dead and that the story was not true. Uh, as I noted earlier, people will often die for a lie, but they don't die for a lie that they know to be a lie, something that they know to be a lie. Right. A lot of people die today for things they believe, but it may be a lie. Right. But if they know it's a lie, men don't normally die for that. And then, of course, uh, they don't suffer for that. And that, of course, leads us to excruciating details. Here again, in the New Testament, we've got what's known as excruciating details. Not only did these people abandon their previously held beliefs, but they were willing to suffer and die for these beliefs. And they were in a position to know whether or not it was true. Look at the apostle Paul. Right. He He claims to have a vision of the risen Jesus, and he suffers horribly, but he never deviates from that. I saw him alive.
1: And he was a firebrand on the other side before his conversion. He was
0: a firebrand on the other side. Yes. And yet, when he sees the risen Jesus, it totally changes his life. He's never the same, and he will suffer and even be put to death for that, but he never recants. He never says, hey... You know, we sat down together and we just made up this story. It really didn't happen that way, and and I, I did, did never, never did that happen. Right? Among those who were in a position to know, that is crucial. They were in a position to know whether it was true or not, because we often hear again the claim: "Well, people give their lives all the time for what they believe." What about the guys that flew the uh, planes into the twin towers? Uh, they became martyrs, yes, but they are basing that on a belief in something that they think happened 1500 years ago. That is a faith belief, but these guys were not basing it on faith. They were there. They had seen the death, the burial and the resurrection. Yes. So uh, that is uh, another reason. And of course we could go in to some other uh, reasons as well, even as uh, was noted earlier that there were in fact numerous prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, There are even Jews who don't believe in Jesus that would go so far as to acknowledge that the depictions, Isaiah 53, could only have been Jesus. One of the professors at Southern uh, Evangelical Seminary who was Jewish uh, had been given a copy of the New Testament in his younger days. He read it, got upset about it, and went to his Jewish rabbi. These were his words. He said, I asked The rabbi about uh, the passages in Isaiah and his rabbi said to him, quote, it's very probable that this is referring to Jesus, but we don't believe in Jesus. The gentleman at uh, at Southern Evangelical Seminary, he said, uh, the professor said, I found that very odd. That didn't seemingly pass the logic test. And this individual eventually got saved and is, uh, is a professor there at Southern Evangelical Seminary uh here again the prophecies from the old testament it, it it just it couldn't have happened by chance right and that's of course is why that so many try to offer the suggestion that as Christopher Hitchens did that well they created this fictitious character but again you can't reconcile that with history uh, I think those are some of the some of the just basic reasons why we can believe and trust the New Testament but if again uh you're listeners are interested uh here again herschel if you're interested i again recommend uh i don't have enough faith to be atheist i don't have enough faith to be an atheist by dr norman geisler who's now deceased and dr frank turek uh they go into a lot of detail on reasons for trusting the new testament accounts and uh in a way that's very enjoyable reading sometimes they read like academic books and they right. can be very very boring but i don't have enough faith to be an atheist it's, it's really written in a uh, kind of a layman's terminology, but it's very, very good. In fact, I've read it several times, and periodically I'll go back and pick it up and read it again because it's just that good. And uh, so when
1: you say layman's, are you com- are you referring to me? Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't
0: want to really put any names to that, but you know, I guess. Maybe it has to do with I'm sitting here looking at you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You see my eyes glaze over every once in a while?
0: (laughs) Yes, uh, every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, this has been awesome. Oh, well, I have really enjoyed it once again, once again. The simple fact of it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you can trust the New Testament. Amen. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You've got the Word of God. Yes. And you can trust in it. And the New Testament's
1: wrapped up in one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. faith is built on nothing and less. And forever. Yes. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Hey,
0: my pleasure.